So you have to be very concise about what your value add is going to be on the board. Have you helped other companies through strategic mergers? Have you helped companies grow? Have you enabled the company to downsize? And what was your experience there? Was that something that you found exciting or something you found stressful? You have to be clear about what that board is looking for and where your experiences and expertise mesh and really what you're looking for in a board position. You have to let people know. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories for my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order Values First now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. I wanna make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with Linda Fisk. Today, we are talking about how to get on a corporate board. And this topic is important to me because it aligns with my values of growth and advocacy. I serve as an advisory board member of Valence Bonds, the premier members-only professional development program for emerging Black leaders. This is the way that I have met my value of growth for myself to continue to build my own capability and also for my value of advocacy to serve others to advance their careers. I'm also a faculty member for 5050 Women on Boards, the leading global education and advocacy campaign for driving the movement towards gender balance and diversity on corporate boards. I co-facilitate a class on using your personal brand to build strategic relationships to further your board journey. And I've known this week's guest, Linda Fisk, because of her organization, Leadership Global, which is a community that I'm in to advance my own development. 
I want to make sure that you listen all the way to the end of this episode for specific organizations and ways to develop yourself to become board ready. So our guest, Linda Fisk, is a multi-award-winning leader, keynote speaker, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and university professor dedicated to amplifying and extending the success of other high-caliber business leaders. She is the founder and CEO of Lead Hership Global, a community of unstoppable women enhancing their leadership blueprint and embracing their power to be the best version of themselves in work and life. In Leadership Global, Linda supports and guides ambitious, creative women to move in the direction of their purpose, their mission, and their dreams with powerful connections, critical support, practical tools, and valuable resources to show up, speak up, and step up in their careers and personal lives. In this episode, we talked about Linda's career journey and her board service journey. We talked about the difference between nonprofit boards, advisory boards, and corporate boards. And we also talked about what makes you a good board candidate and the most important things you can do to become board ready. Let's get started. Well, Linda, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Laura, thank you. What a pleasure and what a privilege it is to be on this program. I've been a big fan of this podcast for a while now. And the caliber of guests that you have on your podcast on this show is really inspiring. And I'll tell you, every single episode is impactful. It really packs a ton of information to a short amount of time and always is relevant and inspiring. So thank you for bringing this podcast to life. Well, thank you. And it, it's just been fun to be in spaces and partnership with you. And we'll talk about all of the good places that we're connected in a bit. But I was also able to be a guest on your podcast, which was a really wonderful experience talking about boundaries. And so I wanted to have you here today to talk about something specific, which is how to get on a board, a corporate board. But before we get into the nitty gritty, I'd love if you could share a little bit more of your story with our audience. Yeah, you know, I will say that throughout my career, I have been really fortunate because I have seen the incredible impact kind of real transformation that we can create coming together in community. When you bring leaders together to solve problems, to collaborate, to uncover new opportunities, new advances, to be able to bring together the wealth of thought leadership and expertise and experience to collaborate together on solving a problem or opening up opportunities, it really is incredibly impactful. And because I've been able to witness that firsthand through a number of organizations I've been a part of, that is really what led me to create Leadership Global, which is a global community for women in leadership that are doing really remarkable, impactful work in all kinds of industries, in all kinds of companies all around the world. But bringing these women together to create impactful change, sustainable, positive impact, has been absolutely inspiring. It's incredible to see what women can accomplish when they collaborate together, when they coordinate efforts, when they align resources, and when they are really, really focused on creating sustainable, positive impact. I've seen partnerships formed and strategic alliances created. I've seen 
companies double and triple in size. And so really my journey is one of being able to witness the power of community, the power of bringing like-minded leaders together to create sustainable, positive impact. How did you get from like your career journey? Can you tell me a little bit more about it just so that people can understand kind of the the journey that you've taken, the different experiences that kind of led you to create Leadership Global? Absolutely. So early in my career, I was on a marketing and advertising track. So I worked for some of the largest and some of the most, I feel like, brilliant advertising agencies in the world. Uh, agencies like Ogilvy and Mather, Young and Rubicom, um, incredible powerhouse brand builders. These are agencies that built brands, that repositioned brands, that brought us some of those popular uh, new brands that we all know and love today. And so I got to learn from some of what I believe are some of the most brilliant minds in marketing and advertising early in my career. And then I decided to dive a little bit more deeply into understanding how people make decisions, what really impacts them positively or negatively in terms of how they design their life, how they make decisions, how they make choices. And so I went on to graduate school and I actually received a master's and PhD in clinical psychology. And then from that page, I definitely applied that work, that knowledge, that research and that sort of graduate study to my life in a number of ways, but primarily it was um, being able to apply it in my work life, but also in my personal life. That became sort of my mission work. I started working with kids who were abandoned and abused and adults who were going through grief and loss. And that became sort of my passion was to work with populations that I really felt a lot of empathy for to help them grow and advance and heal and transform positively. But that was not my career trajectory at that point forward. I decided not to go into a career of necessarily just focused on psychology, but to bring that knowledge into the next phase of my journey, which was to run marketing departments for really large companies. I worked in media with Scripps Networks and Velo. I worked in membership organizations like Collective 54 and YPO. And then I stepped into my own entrepreneurial journey, taking all of that learning, taking all of that knowledge and that combined expertise into developing a community for women in leadership to help them advance their definition of success and be able to accelerate their advancement, to accelerate really their purpose, their mission and vision in the I love how everything what seems interrelated, but it's all built on each other to bring you where you are today. And can you tell me how that journey has intersected with your board service journey and what has that looked like? You know, I have had the privilege of being able to serve on several boards, both nonprofit boards and for-profit boards. I have been offered positions where I am a volunteer advisor, all the way to very lucrative paid board positions. And I would say that for all those listening in that are interested in securing some sort of board position, just know that diversity matters. 
because it brings together a broad collection of experiences, perspectives, backgrounds, and viewpoints that helps that company make better decisions. So now is the best time ever to begin that journey of preparing for board service. And I will tell you that optimizing boardroom decision-making through gender diversity, I feel like should be a critical goal of every organization, especially in the kind of highly complex and really risky world that we're all living in right now. And that is one of the benefits that we offer in Leadership Global is we help women get connected to board opportunities and to get board ready. So we believe that now is the best time to begin the process of identifying what the board opportunities are that you're uniquely interested in, and then to prepare yourself for service on a board. And you mentioned a couple of things in there that I'd love to dig in a little bit more. So two things specifically, so let's take one at a time, but the first is just this is a really great time um, in terms of diversity. Can you speak a little bit more to the landscape of, uh, of that and let's dig into there for a minute? Absolutely, Laura. Now, I will say research from scholars have found that women actually need to hold at least three board seats to create what we call critical mass. And critical mass actually leads to better financial performance for that company. And reaching critical mass can change boardroom dynamics. It can create an environment where innovative ideas can spring from gender diversity. It creates substantial uh, changes in the culture and the dynamics of that board. But importantly, it also leads to better physical performance for the company. Now, we do know that women still hold less than 15% of any kind of senior position in Fortune 500 companies. So even being in the C-suite of Fortune 500 company, women only hold, I mean, much less than 15% of senior positions. But on boards, they hold less than 17% of Fortune 500 corporate board seats. And even smaller percentage are chairs. In fact, women only hold about 5% of chairman positions for any board. Among the largest 3,000 U.S. publicly traded companies, only about one in five board members are women. Now, that's according to Equilar, which actually tracks corporate governance data. And it says that nearly one in 10 boards have no women, no women at all. So certainly we have a lot of work to do, but I think more and more it's being recognized that diversity matters and diversity requirements are being now considered and enacted across many states in the U.S. and around the country. Globally, only about 17% of women hold board seats and only about 2% increase from the last three years. So what we're seeing is small incremental change with global boards only having about 17% of women. And that's only improved about 2% in the last uh, two or three years. But we're seeing some really exciting countries that are taking a stand for gender diversity on their boards. In fact, Spain enacted a law requiring companies to increase the share of female directors to 40%. And the most extreme promotion of gender diversity is actually found in Norway, where all listed companies have got to have 40% gender quota for female directors, or they actually face disillusionment. So I would say on average, 
we still have a long way to go, but we're seeing a lot more focus on gender balanced boards and a lot more well-publicized government targets, support from big private firms, corporate governance revision from regulatory bodies and supporting organizations that really believe in this idea of diversity within a board. I love all of those statistics that you've just shared because I think it's important to really understand the landscape. And, you know, sometimes we think that the only way to get on a board is to replace someone. While some of these companies are actually increasing the number of seats that they have as a way to do that. And so it's not waiting it out. It's um, really understanding what boards are growing and how can you then position yourself for that. So I'd love to talk about how to position yourself for a board. But before we do that, can we lay some groundwork? This is the second thing that I wanted to ask about just to ensure that everyone has kind of the same knowledge. You mentioned in your board journey that at some point you were an advisor and then sometimes you were a director. Can you talk about the differences in that and kind of the different duties that you have that might be in those in those two different kinds? Absolutely. So generally... Being a board advisor means that you have no fiduciary duties. You are not held liable for financial performance of the organization in which you serve. So you have no legal uh, fiduciary responsibility to the performance, the financial performance of that company. But if you are a board of director, you can be held personally liable for the performance, the financial performance of that company. If you are a board of director, that means that you are personally liable to ensure that that company is representing their financials appropriately, honestly, transparently, and that you have a stake in the financial performance of that company. So there is fiscal responsibility that comes with a board of director position, but not so with a board advisor position. And does that usually also then translate to different forms of compensation or non-compensation for some of these boards as well? I have found that most of the board advisory positions that women are invited to serve on are non-paid board seats. So that means that you are volunteering your time, your expertise, your experience to that board, and you are providing advisory services. So most of the time, I have found that board advisory positions are not necessarily paid. Now, there are exceptions to that rule for sure. But I will say that board of director seats most often are paid. And being named to a board of directors may at times seem out of reach, especially if it's an established company, if it's a well-known company, if it has a lot of name recognition. And if you as a candidate for that board of director position are under 50 or a woman, or maybe you haven't even made it to the C-suite yet, um, it may feel as though that board of director position is out of reach, but that's not necessarily the case. In fact, last year, S&P 500 boards named almost 430 new directors, according to Spencer Stewart's board index. And of those, 40% were women, 17% were under 50, and about a third were active or retired CEOs. So open board seats are increasingly being filled by younger and more diverse candidates who hail from executive positions, 
And it could be two or three levels even below the C-suite. I love that you've broken that down for us. I think sometimes we, we don't realize like that some of these things are attainable and at what stage in our careers. You mentioned the idea of advisory board. It seems similar to sitting on a nonprofit board. And if, if we do those kinds of experiences, what are the pros and cons for that kind of non-paid board experience to then maybe eventually get on a, a paid corporate board? The great news is that even if you serve on a non-paid board, so you are volunteering as a board advisor, or maybe you serve on a nonprofit board that does not compensate their board of directors, I feel as though that is still a really important first step because you're beginning to understand the culture of boards. You're beginning to understand the process, the discipline, the homework, and also your duties and responsibilities as a board member. So I would say that even that is great first experience. And then as you establish yourself as a thought leader, as a contributor, as a really well-respected strategist, and you're able to provide really meaningful, impactful value as a board member, whether it's paid or not, you will develop a reputation and you can begin asking those people around you, maybe those that serve on the board with you. You know, I'm looking for a paid board position. What boards do you know that are looking for someone with my level of expertise, with my background and experience? And so I would say developing and using your network is the most direct path to getting on a board, but you have to be prepared to articulate your unique value proposition clearly. And that's another great experience of serving, even on a nonprofit board that's unpaid or any other unpaid board position, is that you begin to understand what your unique value is in that board dynamic, where you provide unique expertise or experience that maybe no one else does. And what boards want are new members who have skills and experiences that are transferable. So the exact qualifications for a particular board will depend on the holes of that board. So what are the holes that they're looking to fill and what kind of industries that board in, what kind of transferable skills do you have that might be really impactful for that industry, that company, or that mix of board advisors that they currently have. The world is getting more and more complex anabit chaotic, pandemic, social unrest, recession, hybrid workforce, you name it, it is here. And it's hard to navigate home and work for yourself and for your team. And what about time for you? It seems non-existent. Our recent podcast listener and reader told me the following. This has been a light bulb moment, knowing my values and then identifying boundaries to protect my values and building systems to support those boundaries. It's been incredible. When I've broken one of those boundaries, remembering my values has kept me focused. In Values First, this book can give you the tools to build those boundaries, but more importantly, how to keep them with a proven framework to identify what matters most to you and the motivation to build a sustainable plan. Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want is now available wherever books are sold. Go to thecatchgroup.com slash values first to learn more and stay connected. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. 
I love the depth of what you've shared because it feels it feels like it could be a strategic first step and even just kind of feeling out, do I even like this experience? Is this fulfilling to me, right? And I think, um, so I serve on an advisory board. And the other thing that it does, it connects me to my values of advocacy. And so I think that's another really important piece of it. Um, it will obviously help me in my board journey experience to get on a corporate board eventually. But the experience to me has been just so fulfilling in and of itself, because it aligns with the things that are important to me, right? And so I don't want to undercut that either. Absolutely. And as I said, you know, this not only teaches you what's expected in a board position, right? But it also can help you level up your own skills, like having profit and loss responsibilities for a business line, being able to effectively negotiate a solution. I will tell you that there are a lot of really beneficial opportunities to help you advance as a professional as well by serving on a board. And you get to listen to different perspectives professionally and socioeconomically on boards as well. Many boards want to boost diversity, whether that's in age or gender or race, or sometimes based on geography, it may be desirable for someone who's lived abroad or some global experience. And being able to serve on a board with that kind of diversity allows you to have a much broader perspective into your own business and into your own professional journey. And I will tell you, board recruiters are particularly looking for so-called next-gen execs who are under 50 and who are tech-savvy, but also have a broad business perspective. So not only do you have a lot to gain, serving on a board, you have opportunities to up-level your skills. You have opportunities to really understand business from a completely different perspective. You get to learn from other extraordinary leaders. You get to really dive deeply into the challenges of a business and understand how you might apply that to your own business or how you might think differently about some of the challenges and obstacles you're facing. But I will tell you that it is always, always important, as you said, Laura, to choose boards that reflect your values and that you are truly passionate about, that reflect the journey that you want to be on and reflect your value system so that you can absolutely be prepared to give your best. Because serving on a board of directors is no small feat. There are hours and hours of preparation that you need to be prepared for before every single board meeting. And after every single board meeting, there are council meetings and there are group meetings and there are small group meetings. And there are a lot of things that go into being a part of a board of directors. So you also have to make sure that this is a company that you want to dedicate that time and effort to. I love this as a, a piece of kind of professional development and a critical experience that you can gain that's outside of either your business or outside of your corporate role that will only make you better in whatever role you're in. I, I remember back to when I was in corporate, often as people got into the VP level or above, we would start thinking about different critical experiences that they needed that would benefit their current company 
or current business line, but we're outside of the company. So we would think about how can we get them on a board? How can we, you know, support that? Those kinds of things. So I love that you've brought that kind of whole holistic. It's not just to get to a board seat. It's really for your professional development. Absolutely. And if you feel like you're ready, both in time, in terms of being able to provide value to a board, being able to dedicate the time necessary to a board and to develop as a professional within a board setting, then the very first step is letting people know that you're interested. If you're senior enough in your current role and have a relationship with high level leadership, then tell your company's CEO or someone that reports directly to the CEO on the executive team that you're interested in serving on a board. If they know you well and would endorse you, they may mention you the next time they hear of a board position from recruiters or from other executives or learn of an open seat that may be available on a board through their own networks. Again, don't hesitate to leverage your networks and let people know that you're interested in serving on a board, but also within your current role, within the current team that you're a part of, make sure that you tell the most senior level leaders that, listen, I am ready to take that next step and to serve on a board. And that's often board recruiters that find the best people are through recommendations from current board members, from current CEOs. And a CEO may say, I'm too busy, but you really should speak to you, right? The person that has raised their hand and said, I'm ready to take that board seat. And then once you are in front of a board recruiter or you've been asked to submit your board bio for a particular position, I will tell you when looking for a board member, companies tend to seek more operational experience. In addition to industry-specific managerial and financial skills, many boards also carefully look for a high level of emotional intelligence, the ability to collaborate and work well on a team, and strong ethical foundations. So, you know, the fact that they, you are being recommended by another CEO or by your own CEO or by another really respected leader goes a long way in uh, vouching for your emotional intelligence, your ability to work well on a team, to collaborate in a team environment, and having a strong ethical foundation. I love a lot of uh, all of that in terms of like, how do I know? Or what do I need to be board ready? But how would I know if I think like I am ready in my career, I'm an expert in one of those areas, I'm seasoned enough as an executive, what else might tell me that I am board ready? Yeah, what I would say is that you have to be clear about what you want and what you don't want so that you can better target the board positions that are being recommended to you or that you are seeking out. And for instance, if you choose to start with a nonprofit board, it's important to know whether or not you want to help them raise funds or whether you just want to serve as an advisory and strategic partner. So many nonprofit boards expect their board advisors to step into fundraising and advocacy and helping them ensure that they're getting connected to the kind of fundraising opportunities and funders that will help them level up their services. So you have to be very concise about what your value add is going to be on the board. Have you 
helped other companies through strategic mergers? Have you helped companies grow? Have you enabled the company to downsize? And what was your experience there? Was that something that you found exciting or something you found stressful? You have to be clear about what that board is looking for and where your experiences and expertise mesh and really what you're looking for in a board position. You have to let people know. So the first thing I say is to make yourself board ready and land your first board position. Don't be shy. Put your information out in the open. Getting on a board is for me like running a political campaign. You have to make your name known. Can you be Googled? Have you gained some level of visibility? Do you write? Do you publish papers? Do you speak at conferences? Do you network with people who can promote you? Are people going to vouch for you? I gotta tell you, self-promotion is a key quality for the board ambitious. And I feel like so many women are so hesitant to promote themselves. They think, oh, I don't wanna brag. Oh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna seem as though I'm conceited or I'm boastful. That's, you know, that's not really who I am. But I will tell you, if you're ready to serve on the board, you have to take every opportunity throughout your career, whether you're at a business reception, a luncheon, a dinner, a networking event, if you're in a meeting, if you're in a one-on-one with your boss, to tell other executives, hey, keep me in mind, should one of your boards need a woman with my kind of expertise? I love the clarity that you gave there in terms of being your own advocate. It kind of never stops. No, I so agree. And you have to target your professional network of people who already serve on boards, as well as your extended network and use your connections. You know, most placements are based on existing relationships with the board or the CEO. So extending your network and really building that network is so important. And we hear this all the time as women, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, but if you want to get on a board seat, that is absolutely critical. So make your name known in your market. And you may get a call directly from a board recruiter, or you can submit your board bio to board recruiters as well. And be sure that you have taken the time to carefully craft and cultivate a board bio. That is so important. That is not a CV. That is not a resume. This is a very carefully crafted board bio. And if you're less senior in career and you don't have access yet to CEOs for advice, tap the professional network you do have for ideas and intelligence on different board opportunities that are available. And there are some sites now that list open board positions, especially for nonprofits. So one source is called BoardSource. And BoardSource is exactly that. You can scroll through and look for open board positions on BoardSource. And you can also volunteer for more significant assignments, become active in your industry, go to conferences and summits. Many of them are virtual now, but be able to sell yourself to a recruiter or a board member when that time comes. So when that door opens, make sure that not only do you have your board bio ready, but you have your elevator pitch ready, which means that in less than two minutes, you can highlight your strengths and the value that you're going to bring to that board. I love all of those ideas for resources development. I also went to a program by an organization called Volunteer Now several years ago, 
where they're trying to increase the pipeline of people that are board ready for nonprofit boards. So there's other things locally that are probably out there as well. Um, in addition, um, I want to talk a little bit about other ways to develop yourself. And I'd love to, to hear more about the leadership global community. Can we talk about that for a bit? Yeah, for sure. I will tell you, as, as I noted, we try to accelerate the success of women in leadership all around the globe. And so we partner with women all around the world, um, offering them opportunities to take diagnostics and assessments to help them overcome any blind spots they may have to accelerate their learning. And we provide diagnostics around leadership style, stress index, health level, where they are in the growth and scale trajectory, where they are in their leadership index. We help them get clear about what their mission is, what their vision is, where they feel stuck, and in every case, if someone says, I am ready for a board position, we get them connected to women in leadership global that find board positions. So we have women in leadership global that are board recruiters, that are board executives that are helping raise women up and get them placed on board. So one of our members of leadership global was named the number one board director for the past five years in the United States. She's phenomenal. And her mission now, she serves on 10 incredibly well-paid corporate boards. And that's really her job now. She serves as a corporate board director full-time for 10 different boards. She's paid very, very well for her advisory work. And she's been voted the number one corporate board director for five years in a row. She's remarkable. But her mission, her passion, is to help other women rise up and be placed on board. So that's really what she's focused on. And she has helped lead the 5050 board initiative, which is for the year 2050 to have 50% of all boards comprised of women. So she began that movement and we are partnered with 5050 boards. And we are also partnered with many women that literally it is their passion, it is their mission, or it is their job to recruit women into board positions, whether that's board advisory or board of advisory positions. I love all of the tangible and, and just inspirational things uh, that are available. I'm a member of um, Leadership Global and I use it for my own development, for connection, for community. And specifically, I could also use it for my board service as well. Um, and I hadn't even thought specifically about that just because I'm involved in so many things that you provide. But um, I, I love the community and the power of it. And how, how can people learn more about it? Well, if you're interested in learning more about Leadership Global, we're across every single social platform out there, I think. We have a presence on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, but we also have a website, Lead Her Ship Global, so Lead Her Ship Global, and you can find me across not just the website, but across all those social platforms as well. And I'm really open to having any kind of conversation with someone if you need access to resources or tools or connections or funding, we provide all of that in Leadership Global. We have a whole library of diagnostics. We have a resource center that is chock full of workbooks and worksheets and articles and podcasts and step-by-step -step video instruction. We have a whole cadre of live events. We have two accelerator webinars a week. We have 10 roundtables a month. 
And we also have access to funding and we have access to board positions. So if you're interested in engaging an executive search firm or a recruiter that specializes in board searches, we can help you. If you want to find local women's business organizations that offer free board search services, we also have access to that. As a woman in leadership, we know how important community can be to accelerate your success. And we work with every single woman to carefully understand what her definition of success is, and then to connect her with the resources and the tools and the introductions and the networks and the masterminds and the small group experiences and the learning opportunities that she needs in order to overcome any challenges she could be facing and take the next step in her career. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to link all of that in show notes so that you can easily find where to find you because you're right. It is not hard to find you. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think you're a really great example of thought leadership and connection. There is no better networker than you. You are so connected and you connect people so thoughtfully. And I just don't know how you have time to do it, but you do it in such a personal way. And I've benefited from that. And I'm just happy to be in community with you. And I just want to thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Laura. I am so honored to be here. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.